Welcome, weary travelers, to the great big universe of Excess Press. This is a weekly podcast to bring you the news of the Disney theme parks and resorts. Witness for yourselves the wonders of Excess Press. And now, let's begin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Excess Press. My name is Matt and I'm the host of this Disney Theme Parks News Podcast. This is episode 21 where I bring you the very first show of Interview with a Cast Member. Uh, now I, I know I said on the past show that I will uh, I was going to bring the show to you on Wednesday evening, uh, which is when all of these episodes are going to be coming out, but since it's Thanksgiving, I just wanted to do it a day earlier, so here we are on a Tuesday evening where I bring you the show, but uh, yeah, I just want to say Happy Thanksgiving to everyone, and I hope you have a great holiday. Uh, so to, on today's show, we have Matt Kroll from the Imagineer Podcast, where he talks about his time as a Disney cast member when he was in the college program back in 2007. Uh, he great he gave a lot of uh, great insight about what it takes to become a cast member, what you have to do for training. Uh, he talked about what he did in his free time, and he actually had a lot of great stories uh, that involved Disney as well. So I'm really excited to bring you this episode, and I, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Um, so without further ado, let's just jump right into it and begin this week's episode of the Excess Press Podcast. So today we have the pleasure of sitting down with Matt Kroll. Uh, he is the host of the Imagineer podcast and a former Disney cast member. How are you doing today, Matt? I'm doing good, Matt. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm doing all right. Not too bad. I said your last name, right? Correct, Kroll? You did. You're one of the, uh, I shouldn't say one of the few. A lot of people do because I say the name on the show. But yeah, you said it perfectly right. Okay. What's the, what's the background of that? I'm just curious. It's a Polish background, actually. I think it was spelled with two L's. And then when my family came over to Alice Islands in like the early to mid 1900s, I don't know what the story is, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pronounced like there's two L's there, but it's just gotcha. one L. So. Okay, cool. 
cool. All right. Well, well, I just want to say I'm actually a big fan of your show. Um, we found each other through Instagram a while ago, and I I really do love your show. Uh, I think you have great insights on the different attractions. Um, and I'm I've always been a fan of listening to binaural audio uh, of like the attractions. Um, and you you give great audio for that. So I just want to say, yeah, you're doing a great job. So. Well, likewise, I listen to your show as well and enjoy getting the uh, the weekly news. So, thank you, appreciate that. <laughs> um, so yeah, so to all the listeners out there, um, I've I've been inspired to talk to cast members, um, and I, I always find the stories that they have fascinating. I think they share a lot of great insights. I love hearing about their experiences when I listen to other podcasts. Um, so this is the first edition of uh, interview with a cast member. I think that's going to be the official name. Um, so awesome. and Matt, yeah, Matt, you're the lucky one to be uh, the guinea pig uh, today and be my first guest. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, so so yeah, I want to get um, a bit of background, like how how you maybe not introduced to Disney, but to the Disney parks. Like when was the first time you went, and how did you kind of fall in love with the Disney parks? <laughs> so I. Uh... I tell the story, I think I told the story on my podcast and I was interviewed on another show and um, it's the same question that came up, which is good. So I have been going to the Disney parks literally since I've been four months old. Um, wow. My, and of course I don't remember going to the parks at four months old. I think my first trip that I really remember, I was probably like six, seven, somewhere around there. That's when the memories start really coming into play, coming into picture, but I had my great grandmother living in Florida, and um, I'm the oldest of two. And so when I was born, my parents flew me down to um, to Florida. And she, my, my great grandmother, lived in Tampa. So we met in Orlando, and um, I, you know, met my great grandmother for the first time, or she met me, um, and then went to Epcot and it's funny I think you know, Epcot has the most nostalgia for me and it's the park I've always sort of gravitated towards the most and I love the most and I think a lot of that has to do with sort of those early subconscious memories that I, I don't fully remember but kind of Epcot being um, you know part of my earliest childhood memories so that's that's the earliest I was introduced to the parks and then my family went down probably once a year until I was in college um, so I, I just always, and, and mostly to Walt Disney World, I, I went to Disneyland for the first time when I was 11 or 12 years old. Um, but yeah, Disney Parks has been part of my childhood and, and my adulthood. I've just loved it since I was very, very small. Wow, that's, that's you're, I, you're very lucky. I wish I could have gone down every year. That's, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't, I talked about it on my last show, but I, yeah, I don't have like any memory of, of Epcot growing up. Um, so do you do you remember Horizons? Because that's the one thing I I wish I remembered, or if if I even went on it, I'm not sure. But um, I do. I mean, when I was, I guess I was ten or eleven when, or twelve when um, probably the last time I went on Horizons. You know, I had to be eleven years old. So yeah. my memories are not perfectly clear. I remember pieces of it. Uh, I don't have like a full visual memory of the entire experience but it's more like pictures of it in my head what the experience was like so i guess with i guess since you went every single year that's kind of what inspired you to apply for the the disney college program is that how you got into it yeah i think you know 
it, it goes back to when I was probably eight or nine. I, I was always really in love with going to Disney. And then the more I went, the more I wanted to know what was happening behind the scenes. And so even, uh, you know, at, at seven or eight years old, I was buying books about Disney, specifically about Imagineering. I was gravitated towards how the rides were being built. And that was the part of Disney that I loved the most was the attractions and the intricate attractions. And um, I really was fascinated with sort of how everything was put together. Um, I know a lot of people love to be completely immersed into the experience. And there are days I still want that as well. But I was really intrigued by how they made that happen. And so when I was 11, I wrote a letter to uh, Roy E. Disney, um, who was still on the board for Disney at the time. And it was by snail mail. You know, was, I, I typed it up on my parents' computer, <laughs> printed yeah. it out, sent it in the mail. Uh, I don't know how I found or how my parents helped me to get Roy E. Disney's business address, but sent it to him. And then literally three weeks later, I, I got an, um, a letter back from him. No kidding. And I think a lot of cases, you know, uh, I'm sure if, if in a lot of cases, if you mail something to like a celebrity, they might send you back kind of this this real um, like uniform cookie cutter kind of letter back. But Roy literally wrote me a personalized letter back as things I'd asked him. He responded to and um, it was it was definitely you know personalized to me. It was signed by him. Um, I framed it. I put it on my wall and that was sort of my my motivation. And, and one of the things I said to him as I really would love to work for Disney one day. So he gave me some advice on how to make that happen. And not that he was my foot in the door, but <laughs> I think his letter back was sort of that motivation. Um, and, and literally keeping it you know, hung up on my bedroom wall was that constant reminder that I'm going to do this one day. And so when I turned 18 and, and was in college, I heard about the Disney College program for the first time um, from a friend of mine who was older than I was who did it. And so I'm like, well, this is perfect for me. Um, I applied my freshman year um, in the spring semester and was really fortunate enough to get accepted. And so then my, my journey with Disney began um, the, the summer of my freshman year going into sophomore year um, and then took a, uh, you know, had to take a semester off from school. Happy to do it uh, to, to, yeah. work for, uh, to work for Disney and do the Disney college program. So it was an amazing eight months um, doing that. And uh was literally a dream come true um, from from when I was a kid. That's oh, that's so cool. So well, now you 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 caught my interest. So before we get to the college program, do you remember some of the questions that you you asked Roy? Um, do you, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you it, had the letter on your wall still. So, but uh, well, yeah, I'm, this I'm was curious. in my this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was that was at least in the in the room I grew up in. Uh, oh, okay. So now I have it. Uh, I have it in my my closet right now, but. Yeah, I and actually I don't have the letter I wrote to him, so I only have the letter he wrote back to me. Oh, true. But I was really asking for his advice about practically if I want to work for Disney one day. Um, and I don't even think specifically I, I knew what I wanted to do, but you know what advice would he offer? What are the things I should be doing in high school and beyond that? And he just, of course, said to to work hard in school, um, to learn from all of my experiences, uh, to take everything as a learning opportunity, and he said to get a real practical experience in customer service, which is probably the best advice you could give me from a practical perspective. Um, I think he referenced specifically McDonald's, which was very clever because McDonald's was in a partnership with Disney at the time. <laughs> yeah. um, but he uh, you know, he said to, to get that sort of customer facing experience. So 
when I was in high school, I did get that customer facing experience. I worked, uh, my first job was Dunkin' Donuts. Um, and I tell people that was probably the most uh, character building customer experience, uh, customer service experience, because I worked weekends um, after, you know, being a high school student, Monday to Friday, going to school, and then Saturday, Sunday, I was up for a 7 a.m. shift um, at Dunkin' Donuts. And I always say there's two types of people that are awake at 7 a.m. on a Saturday or Sunday those that want to be or those that have to be. So I saw these polarized extremes of people that were really happy to be up that early and people that were very cranky to be up that early. So, uh, yeah, oh, that's hilarious. Uh, it's, it's really, this, there's, there's no middle ground there. Um, and really, you know, it was a really high volume uh, Dunkin' Donuts with the drive-through. And so it was really busy on Saturdays and Sundays, especially holidays, like Mother's Day was just crazy. Oh, for sure. Um, Easter, like all those holidays were just insane. And uh, then after that, I actually got a job at the Disney store. Um, oh, no so kidding. that was, yeah. But at the time, I was not a cast member because at the time it was owned by the children's place. Um, oh, that's right. So like, I remember reading about that recently that they, I think Disney sold it to the children's place, but then the yeah. children's place went out of business and then they Disney bought it back because there was like a weird period where the Disney store was like in flux. And I think in like the, the, the mid two thousands, I can't remember. Do you, do you know more about it than I do? I think it was, yeah, I don't, I don't remember when it was in that flux, but I was, uh, so I worked there 2006 okay. and I was, uh, I think, I think it was a few years later. I don't remember the exact year. It could have been 2008, 2009, somewhere around there that it, uh, that Disney bought it back. Um, but yeah, I, I so I, I worked at the Disney store, but technically was not a cast member. So oh. it was an interesting, like weird in between period of working at the Disney store, but it's not really owned by Disney. It just has Disney merchandise and licensing. So it's interesting, uh, interesting experience and definitely helped me to get into the Disney college program for sure. Oh, cool. So, well, well I guess kind of compare the, I know it's hard to compare the Disney store with the Disney college program and working at the parks, but like, were there any similarities that you, that were able to carry from one to the next or was it just very different because the children's place owned the Disney stores and Disney didn't really look after it uh, as much as they do now? Yeah, they were really similar because of the culture, but the real practices, the things that you would learn and traditions working for Disney were not there. So I think a lot of people know like the four keys at working at the Disney parks. If you do the, you know, keys of the kingdom tour, or if you read up about Disney, it's, it is public knowledge that Disney has their four keys. And that's not necessarily something that I learned working at the Disney store, but it's something that I've lived. So it wasn't really formally taught, but, um, you know, courtesy was a real big part of the, uh, the Disney store culture. And, um, you know, making yourself available for guests and not waiting for guests to come to you, but actively seeking out um, guests and asking them questions if they need any help and is there anything you could do for them. Um, and making sure that when you're working at the cashier, you're not just saying like, you know, next, next, you know, how yeah. can I, you know, <laughs> next, yeah. next person, but you know, like, hi, how may I help you? And just making, you know, everything you would see in a, in the world of Disney at Disney Springs. Um, but, you know, taught in a slightly different way. So, you know, similar cultural alignment, but just the, the formal operational practices were not 100% aligned. Gotcha. All right. Well, that's that's pretty neat. I didn't realize you worked at the Disney store. So, well, um, I think we I think it's a good time to now transition to the college program and your time over there. So um, from what I remember when applying to the uh, 
the Disney program, you had to choose like three different areas that you want to work in. I believe it was three. Yes. Um, so I'm curious, yeah. what were what were the three areas, if you remember, that you had chose to possibly work for? Yeah, I do. I do remember the three. So at the time, I, I this was back in 2007. At, at the time, part of the risk was I really my number one choice was attractions. And now, if you apply to the Disney College Program, attractions is a particular category. But that, back then, it was a broader category called operations. Um, and operations could include working at attractions, but it also could include doing things like working at um, parking with the trams, or it could include, uh, um, I think, working at like transportation at the resorts. It was a broader category. So I, that was one I applied to, but I, I kind of pushed in the interviews, like, I want to do attractions. Um, <laughs> Then number two was uh, uh, character attendant. Um, and number three was, uh, I forgot what they called it, but it was basically working at the uh, the ticket booths at the front of the park. So those are the three that I chose. Oh, cool. So which one did you end up getting? So I did get operations. I did get attractions. Awesome. Just like I wanted. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, I remember being in the interview and one of the things I said was, and they asked, it was at the time, the process was different than it is today. Um, back then it was a group interview of three people um, on your college campus. So I remember saying when the interviewer um, asked me what I loved about or why I want to work at Disney, one of the things I mentioned is how much I love talking to people about Disney. So I think that was possibly part of the reason why he gave me one of the most high spiel roles at disney <laughs> um which was at kilimanjaro safaris so i was literally talking to guests all day every day um while i was uh while i was working there so that's where i ultimately ended up um and i found out you don't and i think it's the same process today where you find out your category but you don't find out your specific assignment until you check in uh for the disney college program and actually get to world Orlando. so um, I remember that's exactly where I found out. It was at Vista Way, um, which was the uh, the main check-in point at that time for the Disney College program, and found out I was going to be working there. And that's ultimately what I ended up doing for the the entire stay. And then I was even seasonal for a couple of years after that, um, still working there. Wow. So okay. So you worked at Kilimanjaro Safaros, and what was like? What were your exact role in the beginning? Or did you were you in the same role the entire time, or did you do just work that attraction? and have different roles th throughout there. Yeah, I think one of the things that I feel very lucky about having that attraction is that when you work there, you do everything. Um, and I don't mean, you know, you're not gonna be a coordinator, you're not gonna be managing, it's nothing like that, but you are doing, um, you're driving the trucks, you're, and then you're working every single land position um, outside of the trucks, or we call them land positions. So, um, I can tell you that uh, at least at the time, what would happen was your main focus every day was going to be driving the safari trucks. Um, and there's a lot of them. There's at, at peak time, there could be 41 trucks on the safari. So oh, wow. think about that. That's, that's that, 41 cast members. So like 41 trucks, like that would be like a holiday, like a, like a, like a Christmas or Thanksgiving type yeah okay yeah so, exactly so when it wasn't a holiday what do you think was the the average amount of trucks on the on the on the road it was still more than 30 it was probably about 30 35 okay. um on like a, a moderate day and even, and even off peak because you still want to make sure since it is a long attraction you've got to have a truck 
every minute, let's say, and if it's a 20 minute attraction, um, you know, you got to have theoretically at least 20 trucks on the track um, and then have some some room for backflow. So there's there was always, I'd say, at least 30. But yeah, sometimes like animals might get in the way on the road and yeah, stop for like five minutes because the draft won't move or. Yep, that definitely happens. (laughs) Um, So. And, and it, you know, in an eight-hour shift, you would have, uh, you know, you'd be on one one position for, uh, it's like an hour 45 and a 15-minute break, and then another position for an hour and 45, and then a 45-minute lunch, and another position for an hour 45 and a 15-minute break, and then you'd close out. So you'd, I'd theoretically have in any given day four um, positions, um, and how they work it is three out of those four are going to be on a truck. And then one out of four to give you a break because it is it is exhausting. Um, it's mentally draining. You have to be literally driving a truck that's <laughs> at that size, and you really are driving the thing. Um, plus, you know, looking for the animals and talking to guests and checking for safety and just all these things. So they give you one you know break in the day to do a land position. So it's sort of even if it is still stressful, it's it's at least a little bit of a breather um, to work at like the greeter position or the merge point between fast pass and standby or um, at the time it was still paper fast passes so working at the fast pass return or the first fast pass kiosks or working at the unload docks or the load uh, departure docks um, so you'd have one shift a day that would be in one of those positions and then the other three um, if you did have an eight-hour shift so a traditional eight-hour shift would be uh, working the trucks geez that <clears throat> sounds really intense for for that role because i mean would you say that's one of the more intense attraction roles in the in the parks or because uh, yeah i feel like that's really draining because i don't know any other attraction that does like what you were doing i mean the great movie ride had a spiel but it wasn't anything as in-depth as you like you have to have a no- a lot of knowledge about the animals so i mean what was the training for that like um yeah it was definitely I would have to say, I, and I can't speak to other positions and because I, I don't really know, but from what I understand, it was one of the most um, involved attractions to get, especially on, on the college program. So, um, and especially because the animals are free roaming. Sure, there, you know, there are certain animals in certain areas, but uh, they move. Uh, they're, they're able to move wherever they want. So... I literally have to be looking out for them and, and they can shift from one, sh- one safari to the next. Um, so my training, it was a 40 hour training. It was five days, eight hours a day. Uh, I think the first day, if I remember, we were in a classroom learning uh, backstage, just learning about the attraction, learning about Animal Kingdom and the, the culture of Animal Kingdom. Um, and this was after having done the uh, traditions which every cast member has to do um so that you know that next day was uh that first day at animal kingdom was spent uh, at sort of like an animal kingdom training or animal kingdom traditions and we also walked around the park we went exploring we talked about the different lands um and then i was assigned to one other it was me and another cast member assigned to a trainer so sort of like two cast members per trainer and uh i had to learn um they gave me a, like a little guidebook uh, where I had to memorize, you know, they, they gave about 10 facts per animal, but they said, at least for the beginning, just remember, memorize two to three per animal. Um, you can sort of learn as you go along. We don't expect you to know everything, 
but just know two or three that you can go to for the uh, for the attraction. Um, and then I had to learn how to drive the trucks. So I remember the those first things are, time. I those was... things are so big. <laughs> They're huge. They are. <laughs> they have, you know, I have to say they, I had a really great trainer. Um, so I'd say by the second time going around, I felt fairly comfortable. Um, and they, they push you in a, in, in a very, you know, meaningful way where it kind of puts you outside your comfort zone, but not totally that, totally that far outside. So I'll tell you really specifically, remember it was the first day learning how to drive the truck. Um, and I drove it around once, you know, no guests. And he's like, great, driven around again. He's like, great. I feel like because safety is still the most important. Like, I feel like you're safe enough driving around the track that I can, I can have guests. So, um, you know, he won, we, we did around twice without guests. And then the third time, um, he spoke, he was sitting in the passenger seat and he spoke the whole safari, did it again. Um, we unloaded the guests and he's like, great. Now why don't you do it? The whole thing. <laughs> so oh, I'm like, geez. you're joking, right? And he's like, no, you can do it. Go for it. So I'm like, I feel so bad for these guests. He's like, nah, you'll do great. Believe me. And so I like, I, I, I was so nervous, but I just, he just made me just do it. Kind of like jump in the water, just do it. Um, so I did it and I remember, you know, I did remember the facts. I didn't remember everything. So I couldn't say it perfectly. It was my first time, super rusty. Uh, but he was right. I did it. I, and then even at the end, he like, he turned to the back and he's like, guys, this was Matt's very first safari. How did you do? And like the whole truck applauded for me and was cheering. So it was just really, really amazing. Oh, that's, um, that's so awesome. Yeah. So it's intense. And then I also had to learn every single land position. Um, and this is all in 40 hours. And then the last day you're assessed at every single position. You have one trainer with you one-on-one. -on -one. Um, they have you go around the track once or twice. Um, they have their checklist with them. And then you move to the greeter position. You work to move to the fast, fast position. They ask you questions. They like, it's like a real test. Wow. Um, so it's, it's tough. It's really hard, but it's completely worth it. I mean, it seemed like it was really rewarding at the end and, uh, I, it sounded like you were you're very happy with the outcome of being in that position. So, hundred percent, most it's the most fun job I've ever had, oh, by far. That's great. So, what was so like? What was an average day like? So, like your average day, if you can run down quickly, because I'm always curious. Like when you wake up to go to bed, like what would be an average day for you at Disney? This is gonna sound super. Super magical, I think. Um, <laughs> but it's literally what I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This is exactly what would happen. So I'd wake up in the morning, you know, do my routine, get ready in the morning. Um, and this is, let's say for the, the, you know, this is back when Animal Kingdom was closed at night. So, oh yeah, well, they, um, they used to close at like five or 6 PM, right? They were never open any yeah. later than that. Right. And Safari specifically was only open from sunrise to sunset. We couldn't operate in the dark. Yeah. So, um, you know, if I had a, an, an open shift, I could either have an open or a close. If I had an open shift, I'd be up. I'd what, be is, what, is, what does that mean, it. open and close shift? Oh, oh, I'm so, sorry. Okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, like if you the, when the park opens or when the park closes. Right. Sorry, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry. It's, it's rarely in the middle of the day. Like either the cast members were either opening up the trucks or closing the trucks. Gotcha. And, you know, it's kind of rare to not have to do either one of those because they are involved. Um, so... If I were opening um, that day, going to the park open, I'd have to show up generally 30 to 45 minutes before the park opens. Um, you know, you park in the cast lot. You have to go through separate security. Um, 
you know, if you got a bag with you, you got to show your bag. And, uh, you know, of course, Disney's very secure and safe. So um, I had to show my ID and everything verify it's me. Um, I'd been, uh, so if you think about where Kilimanjaro Safaris is on the back of the park, cast members park in the front. Um, I then have to walk. There was a shuttle, but I usually chose to walk along the side of Animal Kingdom backstage to get to uh, Africa. Um, and then, of course, the, the trucks are housed backstage every night. Um, I would go at a clock in um, at our sort of uh, like our trailer back there uh, and find out on the, on the computer screen what my first truck was going to be that day. And rarely I might get my first position would be opening up one of the land positions. So if that were the case, I'd have to go to that position and kind of do the, the daily checks for that. But most commonly it would be a truck. So we had a checklist. I'd have to pick up my checklist and sort of like sign off that I checked everything, um, made sure the vehicle was working properly. I cleaned it. I, you know, uh, made sure the tires were, uh, nothing was, there were no flat tires. It was, it was literally like almost like being a maintenance person, just kind of, um, I'd have to check the engine or anything, but just make sure everything was yeah, working and, yeah. look, and, and looked show ready as they called it. Um, and then, uh, drive it around the parking lot once to make sure it was good to go. And then sort of, uh, drive, which this is the coolest part was driving the safari truck on real roads backstage <laughs> to get it onto the track. Huh. Um, so you have to kind of like go around the back of Kilimanjaro safaris and get it onto the track. Um, I get, I always imagined that it just, it would, they would stay in near like the front of the attraction every night, but yeah, that's, <laughs> nope. Yeah. Okay. Cause we also have to refuel them and everything ah, true. Yeah, the that makes sense. So yeah, there's no gas station out there. So, right. <laughs> um, and they do run on propane, which is good because it's supposed to be uh, environmentally oh, no kidding, friendly really? or as friendly as it can be. They, yeah, so, all oh, the trucks run on propane. Wow, that's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, Animal Kingdom is very, very conscious of, uh, especially of uh, environmentality oh, and everything. Sure. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I drive it onto the track. And then around that time, the park would be opening. And you could picture, like, as a guest where you might be, you're probably walking back towards Africa at that time. And uh, if I was, like, the first truck, I'd be parked right there at, at the load area waiting for you to get onto the truck. Um, and uh, what I really loved is that whoever the first person, it's almost like it's almost like a race, but it really wasn't. Um, the first person to, to be, you know, check off their vehicle and get on the track got to do the uh, the track test and actually go around the safari completely empty just to make sure there were no like branches on the track or um you know, just to make sure everything was show ready um, on the ride itself. So you got to be the one person to go around the track and uh, make sure that the attraction was ready to go. Okay, wait, Rarely happens. Wait, so hold on. Let me get it. Let me get it right. So the first person that arrives gets to go on a test run around the track. Is that did first I get... cast member? I should oh, say. first cast member. Oh, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Okay. Uh, sorry, I was thinking confused. Like the first guest that showed up. Okay. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The first, yeah, the first cast member to get onto the track in the morning. Gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. Does an entire track, entire check of the, uh, of the track. So, um, I would do that. You know, most of the time I wouldn't get that, so I'd just be lined up waiting to take guests. Um, I would do my, you know, I would go for an hour or two, which generally equates to like four or five safaris. And get in a much needed break, you know, go back to the break room and, and get some water, maybe a snack, just kind of relax my voice. Um, and then I would bump somebody else. So between unload and load, there's this area of the track where cast members will, you know, almost seamlessly shift, uh, shift positions. 
Um, it's it's hardly visible to guests unless you're really looking for it, um, which makes the operation just seem very smooth. So, um, you know, I'd go and I'd, I'd bump somebody else and they'd get their break and then I would go back for another hour and a half, two hours. Generally after that, I'd get my lunch. Um, so sometimes I'd bring lunch and I'd have it in the break room, but most of the time I went to the uh, cast member cafeteria because as a cast member, of course, you can't just be dining in costume at Pete Safari with everybody. <laughs> yeah, um, makes sense. So, so we have our own dedicated cafeteria and it's it's what you'd expect from a, a work, you know, office cafeteria, but very good food, cast member service still, so very nice. Um, good little break and uh, go back. Then generally after lunch is where I'd get that land position. So I might be assigned to the greeter position. I might be assigned to the merge point. I might be assigned to unload, load, you know, any of those positions. Um, I do that for an hour and a half, two hours, and then get bumped, get my last break, and then do uh, my last round of the day with uh, doing the truck for another hour and a half, two hours. Um, if I was closing at that point, once all the guests are off the track, um, you know, out of the, off the attraction, uh, once, um, you know, I, there's not, no one left to take onto the attraction. We would then take them off the track and do a nightly check. Um, we'd sort of get in line to have, uh, a professional maintenance, uh, cast member refill the truck with propane, um, close off the truck, do our checklist and then, and head out for the day. Um, and then generally, especially if it was a hot day, I would go back and shower for a second time. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then usually at that point, I'd head to a park. Um, and most commonly, I was going to Epcot. So I'd you know, get together with a couple of friends who also worked in Animal Kingdom, usually. And uh, you know, we'd, we'd change, we'd get into normal guest clothes, and we'd head over to Epcot, maybe do a couple of attractions, have dinner there, uh, watch Illuminations, and head home, go to bed, do the same thing the next day. Yeah, I think... Um... I think you were really lucky because at the time, like we were saying before, Animal Kingdom wasn't open late at all. So, like, you always had your nights available. I mean, is that correct? Like, uh, like you never got called to work at another park, right? That's correct. Yeah. I could have picked up other shifts. Um, it did happen. I know some cast members did choose to do that. But I felt that the, um, you know, the play side of it for me was just as important as the work side. No, um, for sure. Thinking, you know, full advantage of being a of my perks of being a cast member, um, sort of living in the magic. Hey, so. Amen. I would I would have done the same <laughs> thing as you. Um, yeah. yeah. So so we have about like ten minutes left, and I, I do have a few burning questions that I, I find yeah. that I think are the most important. Um, I, sure. I mean, I've been loving the whole conversation so far, but um, I, I want to know, like, what were some of the magical moments that you might have created for other? Cat, uh, not sorry, not cast members. Other like the guests. Uh, was there anything in particular that stood out? Like something that you did, you went out of your way to help a guest that might not have been having a good time, or I just want to, yeah, I want to know something about that. You'd be amazed how often it happens that it's almost hard for me to recall a specific one. Um, okay, but okay, uh, so like maybe if the, one off the top of your head, that was that might be your might be your favorite. I, I I feel like this is a go-to, but it's really it's because these stand out. Um, the Make-A-Wish kids that come in okay. really are this kind of the standouts because we always do extraordinary things for guests every day. But then when you have a Make-A-Wish kid who has the wish button and is there, um, you know, with a wish granted, we do as much as possible to really make it extra magical for them. So. Um, 
you know, it, it was those little moments that, and then there's not one in particular that kind of stands out to me, but that really was sort of grounding for me and um, made me realize how much of a difference I was making. Um, and I remember even there was this one time this uh, family had their celebrate buttons um, and I would always ask like, you know, hey, what are you celebrating? And they'd be like, oh, it's a birthday, it's an anniversary, something like that. Um, I just remember this one person, like the this probably 10 year old girl was like, um, the parent was like, oh, she had a successful liver transplant. And I was like, like almost like taken back, like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't expect to hear that. Um, so I just, um, you know, and then I was taking them on safari cause they were work, I was working at the, uh, the, uh, the, the um, sort of the handicap, uh, departure dock. And so I just remembered like doing everything in my power to make that like the best safari possible. So, um, it's kind of like, and those, those are the ones that stand out to me, but we, we try to do things like that for guests every day. Occasionally we get like a honeymoon safari, which is a little more positive and fun. Um, where you'd have a newlywed couple and they'd be the only two on the truck with you. So you make it more personalized. Oh, so no kidding. Really? Too. Yeah. Yeah. So then that was also the time the dream squad was around, um, back in the year of a million dreams. So that was oh, always fun to have right. them come you, by too. I forgot that you, <laughs> I forgot that you worked there during the year of a million dreams. Um, yeah. Oh God, that could be like an entirely different show, but, um, and I, I wasn't on the dream squad. So I mostly just saw things happening. I couldn't, you know, I wasn't on the squad going out looking for people, Yeah. but sometimes I would be the recipients of that, you know, where they'd be like, hey, here's the first family for Kilimanjaro Safaris today to get their own private safari, and I might take them around. So oh, that's, that's that was a, kind of fun, too. Nice. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. So what was um, I'm, I'm also curious because you were mentioning before that when you're when you weren't working. Uh, you went to Epcot. So uh, what I was going to ask was what's something that you just love to do when you weren't working? So if if you want to say going to Epcot, that's fine. But was there like a specific thing that you love doing? Like maybe you love going to Germany every night and getting like a beer from there or whatever it is. Was there something that you, you really loved doing when you weren't working? Yeah. So I was 18, so I was not drinking age. Oh, so okay. like oh that's right. You're a freshman. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so what I did, what I did like to do at that time, the Disney professional internship, uh, when I was in grad school was different, but, um, I would go to Epcot. I would go eat at sunshine seasons, which at the time was my favorite place to eat at all of Walt Disney worlds. Um, quick service, uh, usually get a ride on test track, walk around world showcase, watch eliminations, maybe grab a, um, I love they're gone now. I'm so sad. The uh, strawberry tea, strawberry oolong tea slushies from the uh, Joy of Tea stand in China. Um, watch eliminations, head out. It's just like it's about how much time I had, uh, but that was kind of like my my perfect Epcot evening. Awesome. Um, well, I just have a couple more questions. Uh, if you had a favorite memory while you're working there, um, something specific. Is there anything that comes to mind? I do. Um, my favorite memory was getting a backstage tour of Expedition Everest. Oh. Uh, I remember wake. I had to, it was something that my leader at Kilimanjaro Safaris organized for, you know, we had like 15 managers, a lot of managers, but each manager had like a small group cohort of cast members that they were dedicated to. Um, so my leader, my manager organized for us, our cohort to get that tour. Cause she used to, she formerly worked there. So she knew the cast members there. So I had to be up at like 5:30 in the morning to get there for like, 6 6 30 way way early 
and in time of year, it was actually dark when I arrived and slowly dawn started occurring. And I happened to get there when the night shift was leaving, but the day shift wasn't quite there yet. So I got to walk, and especially because all the cast members enter on the um, the uh, the west side of the park where now Pandora is, formerly Camp Mini Mickey in Africa. So I remember getting to the park, walking through Camp Mini Mickey, empty, in the dark, with all of the ambient light on, all the music still playing, walking over Discovery Islands, over the bridge in Asia, by, by through Circusong, by myself. Oh my god, that's so cool. <laughs> And in getting the tour of Everest, it was, it was by, and we literally like walked through, we walked through everything, walked up to the Yeti up close, walked up the mountain inside, walked to the train depot to see the trains up close and then got the first ride of the day. It was like the coolest day of a cast member. <laughs> oh, that's super neat that you're able to, to do that. Um, oh, that's really cool. That, yeah, that would, that'd be, I would love to do something like that. Seeing the Yeti up close. Um, I just wish that that thing was working. Uh, it's, I know. it's a shame. So it needs a lot of work. That's, it's a lot of work to get that fixed. That's what I've heard. Um, yeah. All right. Well, we're coming to an end. Uh, I have two questions. One of them should be pretty quick. But the, the last one is because you mentioned that you, you did a Disney internship uh, for after grad school. What, what did you do exactly? So um, when I went for my MBA, I applied for Disney as professional internships. So Disney college programs like working in the parks. You get professional yeah. experience. But uh, the professional internships are more degree specific. So I had gotten my undergraduate degree in marketing and then I went to grad school for marketing and I applied for the Disney professional internship. If you've done the Disney college program, you it's not like you're an automatic in, but you do get some favorability because you've already kind of learned all the basics, you know, the culture, um, you've worked in the parks, so you kind of, you know how it all works. Um, so uh, I worked at uh, I applied to a bunch of marketing specific roles and this is the time where instead of applying to a broad category you apply to a specific position um, so I applied to three or four marketing internships and the one I ended up getting was working on the marketing strategy team for Disney Vacation Club which was very cool oh. so I did that in grad school that's oh man I feel like that could be another whole conversation um... it can it's it's totally different it's really you know that was like a it was 9 to 5.30 every day. It was very traditional. I went into an office. I dressed in business casual. Like, it's a very different experience <laughs> um, pro professionally. Um, and a lot, you know, I learned marketing. Uh, I was doing nothing customer-facing. Uh, but, yeah, we could be happy to come on the show again if you want. Uh, some point no, to talk I, about that. Yeah, I was literally just going to ask. I mean, I would love – I mean, I'm sure there's other people out there that would be interested – listening to what happens in a disney professional internship and i would yeah i would love to have you on the the show again um yeah, that'd yeah be great. for sure we'll set it up cool all right so one last question and i promise it's a short one uh you should That's be able okay. to give a short answer uh so how i'm going to end every show is um so one of my favorite things is listening to the disney background music uh throughout the all the parks disneyland disney world like i when i'm at work i listen to a lot of it um, but what I want to do is I want to make sure I ask each cast member or each per interviewee what their favorite music is. Cause I want to make sure while we're listening to the show or while the listeners are listening to the show, I want to have that music playing in the background. So what's your favorite Disney parks background music? I love this question. Super difficult question, but, um, I think this one is probably specific to me, especially because it reminds me of my sort of after work routine going to Epcot. Um, I love the, 
the interior loop for the land pavilion oh. as you're sort of eating in the sunshine seasons. That's one of my favorites. That's just so many memories just sitting there and soaking it in. Yeah, the the land. Yeah, that is a great one. Uh, that one I think has the like the hook soundtrack in there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's yep, a lot of different, yeah, a lot of different movie <laughs> scores in there, but it's it's cool. I love that one. Yeah, nice. Well, I'll make sure to be playing that as we listen. So. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, but um, I feel like I could have claimed I was the first person I could have claimed like one of the big ones, like Tower of Terror or Space Mountain. But no, the, that, that one's personal to me. Yeah, the land <laughs> that one's for you. You 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 get the land. So, but yeah. um, but Matt, it is. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and um, same here, man. Yeah, and I, I, I really hope you want to be on again because I would love to talk about the Disney professional internship. That would be great. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I'd love to. Perfect. Um, so, I, where can people find you? Because you have your podcast. So, do you want to give like a quick uh, introduction to your show? Because I would love for people to to listen to yours. So, where can people find yeah, you? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so um, obviously I do sort of channel my inner cast member as much as I can um, and sort of bring that perspective to the table. Um, but I do run the Imagineer podcast, so you can find the Imagineer podcast on just about any podcast channel out there. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Um, so we're on all those places for you, so you can check us out there. Um, you can also follow Imagineer podcasts on Facebook on instagram um very active on both of those uh you can follow us on twitter at imagineer audio um and then we have a facebook group if you're interested in sort of like connecting more directly with other fans of uh disney who also listen to the show which is uh the imagineer podcast disney fan community uh facebook group so a lot of lot of places but mainly podcast is on uh imagineer podcast on all those uh podcast channels out there all right, great. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on the show, and uh, we'll definitely be chatting soon. Yeah, thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for your time as well. All right, no problem. Have a good one. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode speaking with Matt. Uh, it was a lot of fun to do. I loved learning about his role as one of the safari drivers at Kilimanjaro Safaris. Uh, it was, yeah, it was a pleasure speaking with Matt, and I can't wait to have him on the show again to discuss even more about his professional internship role. Uh, but yeah, we a lot of learned we learned a lot of cool things about what it takes to uh, become a cast member, especially in his role, where it, it seems like there's a lot of training to be involved. But uh, I found it interesting that the his trainee or his trainers kind of just threw him in there. Uh, he threw him at the wolves, and uh, yeah, that was that was pretty exciting. But um, Matt, again, thank you so much for being part of the show, and you're welcome back anytime. But uh, guys, please let me know what you thought of the show. Um, maybe there's questions you want me to ask cast members for future shows because we will have another episode next week. Uh, so if you have any questions that you might want to ask future cast members, uh, send me a message uh, and we can get those questions in. So 
guys, that's going to wrap it up for uh, another episode of the Excess Press Podcast. Uh, please, if you're not already, subscribe to the show. You can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, if you can, leave us a comment or leave us a review. Uh, that would really help out the show. Uh, you can also check us out at excesspresspodcast.com. You can listen to all the shows over there if you want. Uh, you can also follow us on social media on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Excess Press Podcast. Uh, and then if you want, shoot us an email. Uh, if you're maybe if you're a cast member and you would like or a previous cast member and you would like to be on the show, uh, shoot me an email over at excesspresspodcast at gmail.com. I would love to uh, have you on a future show. Um, so, guys, thank you so much for your support of the show, and thanks for tuning in for another week, and I can't wait to bring you more episodes like this, and I truly hope you enjoyed it, because I certainly did. But, all right, well, that's it. This is Matt from the Excess Press Podcast, signing off. Until next time, travelers. We hope to see you next week, and remember to seize the future with excess. Bon voyage.